Well, we're talking about doubting God and some people find themselves doubting God and I get that, I've been there and I've done that. I do doubt God occasionally, but more often, if I'm honest, I find myself doubting myself. Anybody relate? I doubt myself because I know the me that you don't see. I know the voice in my head that says things to me about me that are not always kind, <laughs> not always uplifting, and not always positive. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I know my insecurities. I know my own critical voice, my thoughts. I know the times when I dislike myself. Sometimes it's as simple as like, I don't like what I said. More often for me, it's like, I don't like the way I said it. Or oh, I don't like what I did, I don't like what I didn't do. Worst of all, what I know is that God knows all of my faults and probably knows some that I don't even call false. And that makes me wonder sometimes, honestly, like I know he loves me, but why would God choose to use someone like me? And so if you've ever doubted yourself, if you've ever felt insecure, if you've ever felt incredibly spiritually inadequate or insufficient, this message is for you. And for all the rest of you, those that are confident, those of you that are perfectly, completely assured, for the best of the best, the cream of the crop, those who graduated top of your class, voted most likely to succeed, head cheerleader, football captain, that never doubted and have a bazillion Instagram followers. For the rest of you, the good news is God can still use you. <laughs> I promise you, he can. It's just that he specializes in using those who know they need his presence, need his power in order to do his purpose. And so today we're gonna talk about facing your insecurities. And since I have so many of them and so many flaws and so many shortcomings, I thought I'd ask for a little help this week. So I'm gonna team teach this message with your local campus pastor who loves you, prays for you, and so at all of our Life Church locations, could you show honor today, help welcome your campus pastor. Come on, man. It is so good to be with you today. Um, uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Sam. I get to be the pastor at our Life Church uh, in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I also get to be one of the, the pastors at Life Church Online. For all of you joining us online, man, we love you so much. Can we show some love to our online family? Look, whether you are from Philadelphia, Ponca City, or the Philippines, Life Church is a place where everyone is welcome, and we love it that you're here today. And it is an incredible honor and privilege to team teach with Pastor Craig. You know, um, I've been on staff almost 12 years under Pastor Craig's leadership, and I can tell you this much, just uh, his influence in my life is so powerful. Uh, I love it, and I'm so honored to be under his leadership. Um, over my time here, I've gotten to become just a better leader, a better husband, a better father, and even have better muscles. <laughs> and that's obviously, obviously not actually me, and sometimes I feel a little inadequate sitting next to Pastor Craig, right? But uh, I'm certain that this message will speak to you. This theme is going to resonate with you because it does with me. 
So if Pastor Craig feels insecure about preaching, uh, man, you might as well go home. Like those of you online, you might as well go practice your TikTok dance trend because like, I'm preaching. So like it's in, it, there's these feelings of inadequacy and just this insecurity. And I think we all face those. And, and honestly, there are times where I think if God wants something done, surely he can find someone way better than me. It's the reality. You might even feel like, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Or I don't feel prepared to share my faith. Or I don't feel comfortable praying out loud, let alone leading a life group. Or I don't know a lot about things. Or I don't read the Bible all the time. Like my U-Vision streak starts over every day. I, I fall short. And those are the things that others see. But then there are things that you know about you. It's the stuff that you know that you've done wrong. It's the people that you know you've hurt. It's the people that you have fallen short with. And then you think, after everything that I've done, why would God use someone like me? Let me remind you that God knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. So let's practice some self-love. I like this. So I need you to do me a favor. Everybody in here, go ahead and wrap your arms around yourself. Come on. If you're listening to this in your car, don't wrap your arms around yourself, okay? Do this later. But just go ahead and kind of sway to the side and just repeat after me. Say, me, I love you. You're amazing. You're doing great. I'm so proud of you. You're the best and I love you. Now, some of you, that felt good, right? Some of you felt good, like, I need, I need to practice some self-love. But for some of you, that was actually hard to say, let alone believe. Like, to believe those things. And I want to remind you what Paul said about you. Scripture says, we are God's what? Say it with me. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So what are you? You're God's masterpiece. You're God's workmanship. You are created for good works that he planned before you were even born. The word masterpiece comes from the word poema. And this is, the definition of this is a creation with a designated purpose, a workmanship, a masterpiece. This is where we get our word poetry from. So what are you? You're God's poetic statement. You're beautiful. You're valuable. You're custom designed like a good tailored suit. You're custom fit for what God created you to do. He created you with the purpose. God gave you the right personality, the right mindset. He gave you the right preferences and he gave you kind of the right things in your life to do the work that he wants you to do. You were born at the right time to do the, God, the good works that he created way in advance for you. You're his masterpiece. He planned these things for you to do. So when the devil tells you, God can't use you, look at you, you're a mess. That's when you gotta shout back, I was a mess, but now I'm God's masterpiece. I'm his masterpiece. So here's the question, is who does God most often use? As you look at scripture carefully, there are three types of people God chooses to do his will. Number one, God uses the unlikely, okay? Now, we're going to go to scripture. Now, you may remember God told the prophet Samuel 
to appoint the next king of Israel. Scripture says this in 1 Samuel 16, verses 6 through 7. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Now, I got to stop here because anytime the word of God rejects someone because of height, it speaks to my soul. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> Scripture goes on to say, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I love this. God is looking for qualities that people overlook. See, Samuel was kind of looking for that 6'2", tall, dark, and handsome, kind of like Denzel Washington. But God was looking more for like a Kevin Hart, right? <laughs> it's the difference. He looks at what others overlook. So Samuel goes one by one looking at the, all the quote-unquote qualified candidates. And God keeps saying, nope, that's not it. And then the father, Ben Jesse, actually says, wait, there's one more. But he's kind of a junior shepherd. He's kind of just walking out the sheep right now. And Samuel says, no, 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 bring him forward. I need to see this guy. So David shows up on the scene. And David is the youngest. He's the least likely. And God says, that's the one I choose. He calls him. He chooses him. You see, God loves to use those who are overlooked by others. If you've ever felt overlooked, like you, God couldn't use you, let me tell you about Valerie. And I talked to Valerie, and she gave me permission to show these pictures and share her story. It's such a powerful story. Valerie attends our Life Church Edmond location, and uh, for 15 years before she was coming to church, she was addicted to drugs. It started out with pain meds, but then it evolved to meth, and this addiction landed her in jail. In jail, she started to read the Bible, and the Bible started to read her. Like, it started to change something inside of her. She gets out of jail and decides to change her life, and then shortly after that, she suffers a major burn accident where over 20% of her body is burned, and so she goes to the doctors, and they prescribe her pain medication. And this is a critical moment in her life because this could be a point where she falls off the wagon, goes back to her addiction. But she had a community of people around her, so she stayed on the path. She came to Life Church, and then she heard us talking, preaching a message, much like the one you're listening to right now, about being used by God, about serving in the church. But she thought, surely that's not for me. There's no way that God can use me, not with my past, not with what I've done. But you see, God specializes in using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. And I want to encourage you. You just need to know this. Some of you, today's the day you stop believing what others say about you. And you start believing what God says about you. You start believing that God can use you. So she started serving. She signed up to serve, talked with our pastors. And man, she serves on our team. She volunteers in all kinds of different capacities, welcoming people, pouring into students and kids. God's using her in a meaningful and powerful way. And, and actually, Valerie is right here sitting front row. And you made an incredible difference. And I know that when you get to heaven, God's going to be like, well done, good and faithful servant. It's an inspiring thing. See, 
God specializes in using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. So number one, he uses the unlikely. Number two, God uses the insecure. Now you may remember in the book of Judges, after the Israelites had sinned, God had turned them over into the hands of the Midianites. And there was this guy named Gideon who was insecure. He was afraid and hiding But then an angel appears to him and says to him, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. God has chosen you to rescue Israel from the Midianites. Now you'd think that Gideon would be like, okay, if an angel showed up and told me that I'm good, I don't know. But in my mind, I hear Biggie Small saying, it's all good, baby, baby. Like, I'm good. Let's go. An angel is right here. But that's not what happened. In fact, his insecurities shouted louder than God's affirmation. He was insecure. In fact, scripture says, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. You see, for some of you today, God is gonna call you. He's gonna stir something inside of you. He's gonna move you to actually do something. He's gonna call you to serve in the church. Maybe he's gonna call you to be a witness at work or at school. He's gonna call you to share your faith with others. But you're gonna say, but Lord. And then you're gonna tell him all the reasons why you're not the best person. I'll be a little bit vulnerable with you. Can I be vulnerable with you? Only a few of you said, yeah, now I'm going to be extra vulnerable, right? (laughs) So um, I get the privilege of uh, sitting and just being around some really incredible men of God. And there are many times where I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, how the heck am I sitting here? And when I think about my life and I think about my past and all the things that I've done, it just kind of breeds that insecurity. So from ages 12 to 30, I battled with a secret porn addiction that nobody knew about. I just kept it hidden. And it ate away at me. I dropped out of college, never went to seminary. Really, you could look at my life and just kind of see, like, not a lot of success. And while I've been free from porn addiction for over 12 years, there's still times where I'm tempted There's still times where I I think about it. And I look at my insecurities and my inadequacies and I'm sitting next to some incredible men of God who are a lot more accomplished and I feel insecure. I feel like, man, I don't belong in the sea. And that's what happens is whenever God calls you, the devil's gonna try to stop you. See, one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses is to attack your self-worth. He's gonna tell you, who do you think you are? you're not ready. You don't belong here. You're not good enough. Think about it. If God didn't want to use you, the devil wouldn't be trying so hard to stop you. He wants to use you. So I may not feel many times like I can sit next to godly men. And then I remember Ain't nobody that godly. We all messed up. Like we all have our faults and failures, right? 
And yet God called me, and because of God's favor and his grace, I can stand on a stage and deliver a message that says, if God can use someone like me with my inadequacies, with my insecurities, if he can use me, he can absolutely use you. He wants to use you. And here's what I want you to know is, you may not have a lot of confidence in yourself. Good, good. Because see, the truth is, is that serving God is not meant to be done alone. You need two things. You need the power of the Holy Spirit and you need the help of God's people. See, you've been created with talents and gifts to be used in the church. And I don't know, but you may not know this. I have some talents. Like I got some secret talents, like some hidden talents that you might not be aware of. And I wanted to share this one with you. So um, next week, Liz and I will actually celebrate 20 years of marriage. It's gonna be an incredible celebration. Yeah. Um, and one thing we've learned in our marriage is that we've got to have something that we both love to do for fun. Like, it's got to be something that we're fun at. And uh, salsa dancing is our thing. Like, we love going to the dance salsa. And we love going to, like, la- live Latin music. We're there. Like, that's our jam. So this one time we were in Long Beach, California. Shout out to the West Side. And uh, we, were, we were in a, at this restaurant, this Latin restaurant. We found out that there was this live band playing. And we actually captured some footage of it on our phone. I want to show you this real quick and talk you through this. So we're in the back. And check this out. We're like just in the back watching. We're like watching everybody have fun. The band's playing. Yeah, we're just kind of spectating, right? And then we're like, you know what? We don't want to just spectate. We want to participate. So we said, let's go dance. So you got to remember, like, I, I can dance, but there's a lot a lot of people that dance way better than me. But I was like, who cares? Let's go. Let's do this. So we get on the dance floor. We start dancing. And then we're getting close to the stage. And something catches my eye on the floor of the stage. There's this instrument on the stage. And I look at it. And it's called a guido. Everybody say guido. Now, now, those of you that are online, all my Cuban family, my Puerto Rican family, come on, you guys put it in the chat. You know what a guido is, right? And I see this guido on the floor, and I'm like, I can play the guido. (laughs) And nobody's playing it. So I pick up the guido, and I start going at it. Yeah, we caught footage of this, too. Check this out. So I'm playing. Look at the band. Now, now, check this out. So this is so funny to me. So I'm going to ask the guys to, to uh, screenshot this part because I want you to look at the face of the guitar player when he notices what's happening. Look at his face. <laughs> He's like, who is this guy? He's not in the band. Why is he playing? And he kept looking over at me like, what the heck? Who are you? In the same way, you have gifts, talents. Some of them are hidden. And you've been just sitting in the background, sitting in the back, watching others having an incredible time. And it's time to get up. It's time to get off your seat. It's time to get up. And here's what I need you to understand. There is a need in the church that needs to be filled by you. You got to pick up your instrument and you got to join the band, baby. You got to get plugged in and start using your gifts. Look. 
Some of you, you've got great talents. You're great with kids, or maybe you're great with students, or maybe you're great with numbers and data, or maybe you're great with technology, and you're not using your gifts. It's time to join the band. If you're not serving, there's something in the church that's not being done. And I promise you this, ain't nobody going to look at you like that guitar player looked at me. Like, we will love you, and we will be with you, and there's nothing more fun than serving God with the people that you love. So it's time. Gideon said, I'm the least. I'm no good. I can't do it. And here's the thing. Gideon was about to recognize that God often uses the least to do the most. So God uses the unlikely. He uses the insecure. And God uses failures. He uses failures. Let me show you a powerful example in the Bible. Now, last week, Pastor Craig talked about Peter and how he doubted Jesus and how he betrayed him. And if you missed last week's message, I really want to encourage you to go back and watch that message. It's a powerful, powerful message. This week, I want to focus on a different person, a different disciple. So after Jesus was crucified, the Jewish leaders thought that they had eliminated the threat that Jesus was to religion. But the disciples and other Christ followers began to share the good news of Jesus. And people continued to turn their lives to Christ to follow Jesus. And this led to persecution and even the execution of the apostles. And one of those was Stephen. And as Stephen was being stoned to death, Saul, a young man, was standing there watching this happen. Scripture says this. At this, they covered their ears And yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Chapter 8 says this, And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So here's what you need to know about Saul is the whole time, he thought he was actually serving God by persecuting believers. So Saul goes on to have an experience, an encounter with Jesus where his life is completely transformed and he recognizes that he's failed at serving God. He changes his life around and he turns it around and then his name actually changes to Paul. And he begins to tell everyone that he runs into about Jesus. He went on to be beaten, to be persecuted, be put in prison and ultimately exiled because of his faith. And throughout all of it, he constantly remembers his failing short, his falling short of God's standard. So have you ever blown it? Have you blown it big time? Have you done things that you're embarrassed of, that you're ashamed of? Do you ever feel unworthy to be used by God? It might have been a big public mistake that you made, a big public failure, where you lost your temper, or you said something you shouldn't have said, or maybe you made some bad financial decisions. Or you lied to someone and hurt someone really special to you. Maybe you battled addiction or betrayed your family or 
You've crushed those that you love. Or maybe it's a private failure. Those are a little bit more tricky. Maybe it's a secret addiction. Or maybe it's something that you did or that you said and you didn't get caught, but it weighs heavy on you every single day. Or maybe you've just been running from God's call on your life and you feel that failure. Paul killed and persecuted Christians and yet he went on to be a major part of building the church, even writing 13 books of the New Testament. First Corinthians says this, this is Paul speaking. Look how he remembers. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Who better to preach about forgiveness than someone who's been forgiven of so much? You see, God uses, he uses people who fail because there aren't any other kind around. We all fail, we all fall short. We do. And you got to remember when you look at scripture, like think about this, okay? Jacob, he was a cheater. Moses was a murderer. David had an affair. Um, Jonah ran for God. Elijah was depressed. God used him too. Miriam, man, she was a, a gossiper. She was always gossiping, right? And here's the thing. Time after time, you look at scriptures, people failed God and yet God chose to use them. So I want to tell you about one more person uh, that he kind of was a failure. This is my friend Luca. And Luca, his dad, uh, was a pastor in Italy. And throughout his life, Luca's father would tell him, hey, like, serve in the church. Like, come with me. Like, use your gifts in the church. God's called you. He's, he's calling you to be in the church. And Luca constantly rejected. He just refused. Luca was obsessed with his outward appearance. He was obsessed with his appearance, with how he looked, how he, um, how he was with the ladies. Like he was just obsessed with the external things. And he constantly rejected not just his father, but what he knew was God's calling on his life. You could say that, in fact, he says that he put his fitness over his faith. And he lived a life of vanity and lacking integrity. And this is how he lived. When the pandemic hit, it set off a chain of events in Luca's life that forced him to come to terms with God's calling on his life. One of those was being the fact that his dad passed away from COVID. And he felt this guilt, this guilt of rejecting his dad, of running from his calling, of wasting his youth on things that didn't matter. Now, Luca was a part of our Life Church online family, and he found out he could start a life group, so he did. He started an online life group, and he takes Pastor Craig's messages, translates them to Italian. His whole life group watches the message together, and he started doing this. In fact, um, Luca uh, visited us here in Oklahoma just a couple of weeks ago. He came and presented Pastor Craig with a copy of Pastor Craig's book, um, Winning the War in Your Mind, that Luca helped translate to Italian. God's using Luca in a big, big way. 
So I recently had a call with Luca and he wanted to say a couple of things to you. Uh, check this call out real quick. Ciao Luca, tutto bene? Come va? Va alla grande bro, qua tutto bene, tutto benissimo. Luca, it's so good to see you, man. I'm talking to our church uh, here at Life Church in Edmond at different locations and uh, also to our Life Church family online. And, you know, we were talking about how uh, we're encouraging people to serve in the church. So I wondered if you could just talk to two different types of people, uh, just the people that have a Life Church location. Some of them are sitting in a Life Church location right now, or they have one in their city. What would you tell those people that have a Life Church location near them? I would say to them, you are so lucky, guys, because if I had a life church location near the place where I live, I would go mad. I would pitch a tent the night before the service to be sure to get on time the day after and serving the church in wherever, in wherever I mean, from cleaning up, you know, the toilets and the lobby to setting up the, the stage and the auditorium, because, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing. What, what is matter to me is the sense of family, the fellowship, the friendship that you get there. I was there two weeks before, and it was kind of like being in heaven in advance for me, both for me and for my wife. So, guys, where, whoever you are, just right now, you are so lucky to have the church near the place where I live, where you live. I love that. I love that. So second group of people is those that are joining us online right now. There are people online that are joining us and there's a way for them to serve too. I talked about how you serve all the way in Italy. What would you say to that group of people that are joining us online? Yeah, you know, sometimes when a people, a person think about a, a, an online ministry, maybe one might think this is not a real church. Listen to me. This is a this is a real church because, you know, sometimes ago I was in a very tough time uh, and I mean me and both my family and we were shut down here in Italy. We were in the middle, in the pike of the pandemic the the things were so tough guys and you know you realize you have a family when the first person popping out in your mind to ask for help in time of need is not the people beside the door of your apartment but is the people living at the other side of the ocean and that what happened to me i asked for help and i found a family i i didn't find just an help i find love i found uh, a family i found I, i found god i found miracles so whoever you are listening to me right now jump in god is waiting for you you don't even know what god god can do with a single gesture with a, a single act of obedience of you i love that man i love that luca thank you so much for how you serve in the church how you are a part of our life church family all the way in italia and thank you for taking the time to just jump on this call real quick hey you know at life church we sign off one way we say whoever finds god finds life i think we should sign it off in italiano come on give it to me chiunque trova dio trota la vita did i get it wow. uh, yeah it's absolutely <laughs> perfetto bro <laughs> i love it we'll see you luca god bless God bless, Pastor. God bless. Come on, you got to love that, man. I love what Lucas says. One single act of obedience. What God can do with that. Man, 
And there are those of you today that maybe you feel insecure. Maybe you feel unlikely or maybe you feel like you're too bad to serve in church. The devil will tell you why you can't make a difference. But God will tell you in Christ, you can. So here's the thing. You just got to remember. Stop thinking about who others say you are. Stop thinking about who you say you are. Remember who God says you are. You are the, the workmanship of Christ. You are his masterpiece. And he created you to do great works. He prepared them for you. And it's time for you to step up and to step in and start doing the work that God has put on your life. So stop doubting yourself. Stop doubting yourself because when you doubt yourself, you're actually doubting God, the creator of the universe who created you. You're not what you did. You're not what they did to you. Today, you are the masterpiece of God created for the good works that he prepared for you in advance. So today, we go to him in prayer. We need him. We all do. So let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your love and your faithfulness, God. We thank you that you use people like us to do incredible things for your kingdom. As we pray today, if you're here and you say, you know what? I want to be used by God in a powerful way. I want to be used by him in some capacity. I don't want to just live a life spectating. I want to participate. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray a prayer for you. Hands going up all over this place. Those of you in the chat, just say yes today. I want to be used by God. God, I thank you for every person that's stepping into this and saying, today I choose to be used by you. As we continue praying, there are those of you that perhaps you're thinking about your life and your failures. And if you and I were to sit down and talk about your life, and I asked you, where do you stand with God? You might kind of hesitate or give me some thoughts about it. But if you were honest, you would recognize and realize that you're not close to God, that you're not serving him, let alone walking with him. And I want you to know something. This is so important. God loves you so much. That no matter what you've done, no matter your failures, no matter your sins, he's calling you right now. He's calling you and what you're sensing in this moment is the Holy Spirit drawing you towards him. The Bible is clear that all of us have sinned. We all fall short of God's standard and that sin separates us from a holy God. And yet God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to live a sinless life and to die on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven. But he did not stay dead after three days. He rose from the dead so that you and I could have a new life in Christ. And for many of you here in the room, those of you online, for many of you, this is your moment that God has brought you to, a moment to surrender to him, to turn away from your sins, to turn towards Christ and to say, God, I surrender my life to you. So if that's you, and you say, today I need Jesus. And you're saying, I want to turn from my sin. I want to give him my life. I receive his forgiveness and his grace. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand up right now. Come on, hands going up in this place right now. I got you right here, brother. God loves you. Those of you online, just type it in the chat. I'm giving my life to Christ. We're celebrating with you. Church family, would you pray with those around you? Pray out loud. Say, Heavenly Father. I give you my life. I surrender my heart. Forgive me of my sins and make me new. Today I declare that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for new life. 
Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Would somebody go crazy celebrating new life in Christ? Come on.